This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What is poppin' everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. And I'm here with my only friends, the Yinzes are in the building. What's up? Hold on, hold on. I, yeah, I just... I'm not getting Connie. Hmm. What? Oh, no. I hear Conrad. Conrad. Do you? Yeah, no, we got okay. him. Do you guys hear Conrad? Tell me in the chat if you hear Conrad. Let's hope so. Sometimes cool. you don't want to hear him, but you hear him. I fucking hate that kid. <laughs> what, what you got? Oh, yeah, obviously Landon's here. Yeah. <laughs> what you got for us, Burke? What are you saying? Uh, I, I just received a new message from Malena on Tinder, and uh, I have to address this real fast. So if you, if, if you. <laughs> We don't know yet, Brian, but possibly the mother of my children. Sick fucking and my flex, future man. Wife. What, what kind of that was oh, worse geez. than a CSA? <laughs> it's the seat, man. It's the fucking seat. That oh was, Christ, who wow. who is in charge of your lighting today? I God, it was good. Damn it. It was wait, good. wait, you can turn that light on right there. Yeah, that light needs to be on, and mm. uh, whatever's making you hot. Oh, it's the it's the window. Wow, I look good today. I've been yeah, because yeah, you're busy fucking messaging Milena or whatever the fuck her name is. Yeah, she spells it with an E-I-N-A. I'm happy for not you. Not A-I-N-A. Did you send her a link to the podcast? No, no, no. That's like third date material, man. Uh, you, can't, you can't have them doing... Can I see a picture of her? Well, she... So, you know, this is not Vegas, girl. This is, She's tortoise approved. Yeah. This, <laughs> she, she actually looks like Lamana's uh, Smasher Pass photo. <laughs> That's no wonder you like her. Wow, so it's, no it's, Nikki, it's a Nikki Glazer impersonator. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Never gonna live this down. From yeah. LA and verified has working out has our only interest. This is my kind of lady. Oh. Is it? <laughs> Good luck, Berkey. Good luck. You've been slacking. Um, wow. Uh, what? Yo, the kid about? is here to call you out every time. When did I miss a day? When I wasn't here. <laughs> that was weeks ago, man. <laughs> I was making money then. Now I'm back to the gym going fucking broke. Oh no. Oh, it no. is it's Dermot season. There's there's no balance. <laughs> Nothing like a good Dermot no and cry. Fucking balance. What the fuck is oh McDermott Kennedy and gotcha. cry. I understand. Yeah. I understand. I don't cry. I wish I could. <laughs> this why I think my tear ducts were like taken away from me somewhere in my early teens. <laughs> it happens, it happens. I want to give a big thanks to our sponsors over at WPT Global. The online home of the WPT World Poker Tour. As you know, they're just giving it away. Um, <laughs> so yesterday they posted a tweet. Um, basically saying, what's Jamin's favorite hand? You tell us, we'll give you a 550 ticket. There were 60 correct responses to this. <laughs> and they didn't cap it. Oh so um, they're giving out $33,000 in tickets. Wow. Just fucking giving it away. That's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Let's go. I'm excited for all these people that got these 550 tickets, got a chance to win themselves into the WPT championship. How do you feel about that, Burke? Well, I, uh, I'm excited for everybody who got tickets. Good luck. Godspeed. Uh, I took yesterday off because I got some bad advice and was grinding online apps. Mm. I followed through with that bad advice again today. The last two days, I've gone to bed at dawn. Uh, yesterday, I was like, okay. I woke up actually feeling okay for the <laughs> podcast. I woke up like 11, feeling kind of okay. And I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to power through. We're going to go to bed early, like 9 o'clock, and we're going to sleep through the night. Great plan. Yeah, sounds great. Great fucking plan. Mm -hmm. And I stuck to it. I got home from the podcast, and I was like, I'm not as tired as I thought I would be. I'm going to go to the gym. And I didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it yesterday. I had one of the best workouts of my fucking month. 
Okay, we're crushing it. It's only the eight. Sorry, Scouty. Sorry, girl. I oh. scared you. Uh, so come home. I eat, and I'm like, I'm tired. I'm gonna sauna, and I'm gonna crash. So I hit the sauna, hit the cold pool, hit the sauna again, hit the cold pool, took a shower. Eight thirty. I'm asleep. Okay. Actually, like seven forty-five. Actually, man, you missed uh. all the action last night. Anyway. No, I didn't because okay. I woke up at fucking ten thirty, thinking it was four a.m. <laughs> I heard like the coffee maker going. I'm like, oh no, I'm on Conrad time. Fuck me. <laughs> and I look and it's ten thirty p.m. and I'm wide awake. Oh no! Like, God damn it! So luckily, manifest or maybe unluckily, manifest has its fourth and final season out. So I fired that up. Jumped back on the app, lost another five buy-ins. Oh no! Oh no! I don't, I don't. You know, I don't understand. Now here we are. <laughs> here we fucking are. Here we fucking. So I are. missed my whole point of that was I missed the global satellite yesterday because I fell asleep. Uh, but I made up for it by losing twenty five thousand dollars playing in most likely a rigged game. <laughs> I made eleven sets yesterday and lost five buy-ins. You know how hard that is to do. I've made eleven I, sets all fucking year. I made I made twenty five thousand and sixty dollars more than you yesterday. Mm, you made sixty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The tortoise with the sling. Ah, speaking of the tortoise, it's your day again. It you is two my, days a year. Wow, what a it was. Yeah, it is my day again. It is your day. Yeah, what what, what happened in the politics world wow. yesterday? Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Did anybody pay attention at all to politics or uh, the election? I don't know if you heard my story, but I fell I know, asleep at seven forty-five. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, you. <laughs> I was talking to the rest of the group. I was texting you, like giving. Landon's an update. not even old enough to vote yet. You didn't respond to me. Landon, Landon, Landon should have vote. He should. Did you vote, Landon? No. Did you ever have any uh, desire to vote? No. no. You will. <laughs> probably when you're my, too young you're when too my young. heart dies yeah. yeah um but yeah so it was kind of wild yesterday um there was supposed to be a huge red wave come through and the republicans were supposed to like smash it and um it looks like that didn't happen it was more of a ripple that way okay yeah so um as of now it looks like the democrats are probably going to hold the senate and the Republicans are probably going to take the House. So, um, but, but they were supposed to take the House by a, a large margin, and now they're just probably going to squeak it out. Okay. Uh, get the majority there. And um, the Senate is still coming down to um, a few different states. Uh, so if you look at the prediction markets right now, that's how they have it. They have that the, uh, about 85% Republicans take the House, 80% um, it takes control you can go to predict it and, and bet on this stuff question yes does it matter if the house like the republicans win the house by a large or small margin or no um well it it does when there's um when there's like pretty close votes and there's some like moderate uh you know um members of the house who might vote one way might vote the other way mm. so if you have a larger majority then it matters because because if you have a, if you have a lot of larger majority then also you can you can say like hey the people want this because the people put more of us in here so they want our agenda to pass right so it's always better to have more but when it comes to the house you just need uh, a simple majority to pass anything in the house like theoretically from if someone does get elected from one side or another and their side has the majority the idea would be that they would vote with their side 
as if they didn't, it would be likely that they wouldn't get reelected as. Uh, yeah, a lot of times. Right. Um, like I said, it, it, de it depends on what, where you're at. Right. So if you're in a, like um, a pretty moderate district, then they're going to want you to vote moderately. Right. And but if you're in a super heavy blue district or super heavy red district, then they're going to expect you to vote that way, like, on, on, you know, on uh, more uh, more progressive issues or more right right-leaning issues and votes are like you know which state or who voted for what yes okay yeah yeah all that's all that's recorded so Ooh. so you can tell nice. uh so then in the senate um it's going to be super super close again i can't wait till andy hears you say that why <laughs> because you said senate in the senate <laughs> It's fine. Continue. I said Senate. Yeah. Did I? It's, it's, it's fine. In the Senate. It's completely fine. Yep. I, would, I, I hate that I even called it out. I know. But I just know Andy's at home yeah, listening, at home, like, taking notes. For those of you guys so what's who... the Senate? Yeah. For those of you guys who haven't been following along, our good friend Andy, uh, he used to be one of the managers here as well. Uh, incredibly. Anal retentive, incredibly overbearing. When it comes to, it grammar, comes to grammar and, and pronun pronunciations, and he'll be here pronunciations. next Thursday. I asked, I asked oh, him to come in will. actually. Yes. So yeah, will that week. will that be the week of the sixteenth or the week Just of the twenty third? <laughs> <laughs> Is this tomorrow? Uh, what are, what are we dealing with here? So that's the okay. other long running yeah. gag. Continue about uh, the Senate. So in the Senate, Senate. <laughs> um, it's so it 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 looks like it's going to come down to um four uh different races um we have nevada actually only three at this point because uh wisconsin was called for the republicans so they have 49 seats right now the democrats have 48 you need 51 to have a majority or 50 um if you hold the presidency because the vice president can um break the tie so the democrats need two out of the remaining three that are left which is um georgia between uh warnock and herschel walker and it jesus is, christ yes and it's going to, <laughs> it's going to uh it's going to a runoff so in georgia <laughs> they predicted have, this right right they, they yeah. were pretty sure because it was super super close and you there was actually um and a um a, a third party libertarian party um candidate that was in there so he took like two percent of the of the uh vote and if you don't get 50 percent of the vote it goes to a runoff i wouldn't want so, to run against herschel walker no well <laughs> you know what that was it's gonna be one. close um it's, it's so, the nfl right. <laughs> so, okay so so uh that one's gonna go to a runoff which will be on december 6th which if the Did, democrats wasn't there just like a massive vote. smear campaign against Herschel Walker. So yeah, so like wasn't a domestic it, wasn't abuse it, it thing? Wasn't, no, it wasn't a smear campaign. Not a smear campaign, but like what, what details happened, had come yeah, out. So what happened was um, he is super. So abortion obviously was a huge issue uh, this election cycle, and he took a hard stance against abortion. I'm pro life. I'm pro life, and then all this stuff came out where he was, uh, you know, paying some ladies for mm. to get abortions. They had the receipts, everything. Wow. So like. Uh, yeah, yeah. So twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two, the era of just mm -hmm. getting dunked on. Yeah. So uh, it looks like Mark Kelly is going to hold on in Arizona, which would give the Democrats another. It's still, I mean, it's not one hundred percent, but he's probably going to win. <laughs> and then it's going to come down to 
Here we are in Nevada. Swing state, baby. Yes, swing state. It is very, very swingy, very, very purple. And um, looks like uh, Catherine Cortez Masto and Adam Laxalt are in a pretty much a dead heat. He right now has the lead. If you see, which one's uh, the dem? uh, C- CCM, mm. Catherine Cortez Masto. So uh, uh, John Rosten is a um, journalist in, in Vegas, and he knows he all the ins and outs of politics. Lombardo works he out kinda, at my gym. Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's a decent Joe, dude. Joe Lombardo does? Yeah. Wow. He's really good friends with Rob. Oh, I didn't know that makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, as you see here, they said... Uh, if there is a hundred thousand uh, melon ballots left in Carr County, uh, which would be which would make sense according to the turnout, the Dems would need two two to one margin to win. That's what they have so far. So if it holds that way, um, it looks like Cortez Masto will pull it out in the end. I mean, we don't know. It's I have super, to tell you, uh, as somebody who doesn't follow local politics at all, mm-hmm. the Republicans do a great job with yeah. their marketing campaigns. Because I didn't know that she was Dem, but I know that she's the goddamn devil. <laughs> well, so you watch, yeah, well, they're both, they're both the devil if you watch the... Uh, oh, no, the, I didn't. I, the, I don't. I didn't even know the other guy's name. Really? Uh, I've definitely heard Adam Laxall once yeah, before. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe I, mean, but, like, was, I would have mistaken him for one of for the, the lawyers. the last two months, we were yeah. just bombarded with, with commercials. I, I don't pay attention, though, so like I only see it as one-off. I would have easily mistaken him as like one of the lawyers that gets your traffic ticket written down to, <laughs> 100%. A, to a, a parking violation. He sounds like, yeah. Uh, where Catherine Cortez Masto, I'm pretty certain that she performed an exorcist on her daughter. <laughs> or exorcism. Yeah. Uh, um, she's, she's the goddamn devil. I mean, that's that's the nature of campaigns now. Uh, just there's so much money that gets flooded in. We should do this with other training sites. Goes, this is what Doug yeah. did to you. This is what Doug did to you. Yeah, yeah. How do you right. mean? You're right. You're fucking you genius. You're actually right. <laughs> so pretty much uh, it's that's what it's going to come down to. And it might, just like in 2020, it if, if uh, the Democrats hold here in Nevada and uh, hold in... Um, Arizona, it's going to come down to um, the runoff uh, next month well, in Georgia. This is like, this, I'm sorry, go on. No, well, I was going to say that was a fantastic civics lesson, but the real burning question that everybody <laughs> cares about is what happened to Dr. Oz? Dr. Oz got fucked up. Who's Dr. Oz? You don't, <laughs> you don't remember that daytime show? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, okay, so first, okay. Of all, first of all, for anybody who wants any sort of backstory on Dr. Oz, if you are even somewhat knowledgeable, about things like diet, nutrition, fitness, whatever, you would understand that if this man is actually a practicing doctor, we're all fucked. (laughs) (laughs) He showed so many bullshitty uh, like ointments and treatments and and supplements. Yeah, he's kind of like a quack in that way. uh, Honestly, like that's doing a disservice to quack. (laughs) Uh, John Oliver did a great piece on like just how fucking (laughs) awful uh, his his show actually was when it came to facts, mm-hmm. uh, which no shock that he ended up running. Yeah, so that, this kind of shows how like how the politics work in Pennsylvania, and because John Fetterman pretty much uh, outperformed across the entire state, mm-hmm. right? Like he didn't turn for reference. Red, he's the Dem. He's the Democrat, right? Okay. He didn't turn red counties blue, but he he did better than. Biden did, you know, that time around. So he just he got enough votes in the red districts, to, and and then obviously he did really well in Pittsburgh, in Harrisburg, yeah. in uh, Philadelphia, right? And um, but like 
it, it, you know, it was kind of like he's he's the he is he's such a yinzer, right? He's a yinzer through and through. He's like a blue collar guy, and that's kind of like how what Pennsylvania is, yeah. right? And then Dr. Oz comes in. He's an elitist, and he's a carpetbagger, and he just like. Do you know what a carpet bag is? I was just about to ask you, what's yeah. a carpet bag? I was just saying, so, <laughs> if it has any, any uh, parallel to a carpet muncher. I, 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 was, I, I knew you were going to say it. No, I know what has, it is, but I, I'm here for the so jokes. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, essentially, it's like someone who, uh, from outside of, of a district or a state, comes in just to run, right? Right, so he's, he's actually from New Jersey. He's actually from New Jersey, but he's, you know, he technically moved to Pennsylvania just to run there. You know, Pennsylvanians don't like outsiders coming in and telling them what to do. We don't even like Philadelphians. <laughs> it was funny because uh, um, Paul Begala on uh, CNN last night said that he's like, he's like, yeah, Pittsburghers hate Philadelphians and Philadelphians hate Pittsburghers, right? And the, the people in the rural countries hate the people in the cities. He's like, but one thing they can grant, all Pennsylvanians hate New Jersey. 100%. <laughs> That's absolute truth. Nobody... He, like even Philadelphia wants yeah. to blow Jersey up so they can get ashore. <laughs> right. That's so great. I mean, so like the I think the big takeaways of the whole election is that abortion was a a bigger issue than people thought because uh, people knew it was going to be a big issue, but it it really held the Republicans from um, having the the huge night that they were supposed to have because once Roe v. Wade got overturned and and you know. People are looking at like, I don't want my rights to be taken away. If you look at all the polls, um, usually, you know, uh, pro, uh, you know, pro-life or, or sorry, pro-choice is um, preferred throughout the country, about two to one. Um, so that, that, that was reflected. And, um, and also all of uh, like, all of like Trump's candidates, all his um, quote unquote uh, election deniers that were running for governor, they like all lost except like one might win. Yeah. So, um, I think that's that's probably good for Obama um, on the Republican side. Obama, Obama, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Biden. I, I actually, Biden. I actually it's good for uh, Obama too. I, but for I Biden, stumbled upon a Ben Shapiro clip yesterday. Uh, I tried to expose the myself. The red wedding to, clip. No, no, no. But I try to expose oh, myself clip, to both sides, and I loathe him, so I try mm -hmm. to listen to him. Like when I actually hate somebody to the point where like I speak out loud listening to them, I try to listen to them more. I think there's more. better people on the right that you could you could listen to. Uh, yeah. Well, this isn't politically driven. Right. Uh, I loathe him as a human being. Yes. Um, so that's how people feel about me. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. Uh, yeah, I spite I spite listen to him, but I, I do actually find him to be quite intellectual. I just think he's. Uh, a pea brain the way he applies his intellect mm -hmm. um but he was basically saying that uh when when the dems rerun in 24 putting biden out there would actually be a better choice <laughs> even if he has dementia than putting uh kamala harris out there oh for sure and she's she, she's very very disliked yeah this. and that like if given the opportunity they would probably try to draw michelle obama out of retirement yeah i don't she she has improbable. no desire to run um this after tonight, this really puts Biden as probably the favorite to get reelected. Mm. Um, the good thing for Republicans was uh, the biggest thing probably is Ron DeSantis. He crushed it, right? He crushed it. Uh, Mark Rubio crushed it. It's it's a foregone conclusion now. Like Florida was a purple state and trending red. It is solid red right now. Mm. It is a red state. 
Uh, DeSantis just absolutely smashed. I think he won by like 20 points, which they thought it was going to be close, um, which is probably feeding his ego like, hey, I'm going to run. He was already, you know, teasing it and people were saying he's going to run. And then is Trump going to run? Trump's supposed to have a big announcement in like a week. So everyone thinks he's going to say I'm running. Right. But now I'm sure fucking DeSantis is like, you know, thinking, God damn, like I, I have to run because I, I have all the momentum now. So it's going to be really interesting to see DeSantis going up against Trump. Trump already has a nickname for him. He calls him Ron DeSantimonious. DeSantimonious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it should be, uh, it should be interesting. That what sounds interesting. I'm pretty, yeah. oh, I'm pretty sure that announcement is going to be about Trump's OnlyFans, though. <laughs> so, so are you telling me, Brian, that you're actually going to have another day tomorrow to report us on the events that happened tonight? No, months from now. Yeah. Probably um, nothing's going to happen tonight. I will, we might get, um, I, I don't know, probably not. I won't be here tomorrow anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm going, going to New York. That so won't be your uh, day. Our boy, right. man is going to New York for the next couple of days. I think he'll be back Monday. Be Chat's back begging Monday, for yeah. pickleball chat right now. No, mm-hmm. they're not. It's fucking been no, jamming. Ta- <laughs> trolling it. your ass. Begging. Honestly, like, uh, I actually enjoy these conversations, but um, I can see, because I'm on the fringe, mm-hmm. right? Like, I enjoy the game aspect of politics, Same. and I enjoy <clears throat> kind of understanding projections and models and things of that nature, as well as, like... That's what's so fascinating what, to me. Yeah, as well as, like, you know, what could potentially change, even though nothing ever does. But being that I'm fringe enough on the outside looking in, I can also see like immediately where this would tune people out. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. No, like just yeah, a whole bunch sure. of people just like right. on either side. I, it's like fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I like. I I just think it's like fascinating how it's going to work and like how the, the 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 actual politics of it. Right? I mean, but you look I mean, at this I like passion. the policy too. Right. You got to right, give this man two days right. a year. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, there, there's a huge difference between politics and policy, right? And just, like, I I can see you being more more interested in the politics and how campaigns are run how how people you know, yeah i think like what nate silver does to me stuff. is like fascinating yeah it's super dope so you're politically adjacent yeah that, that's that's a good way uh, i'm about as political as i am religious mm-hmm. okay <laughs> talking about politics let's get to the politics that i like jeff saturday is the new head coach of the colts this man has never coached the fucking Pee Wee football team. Nothing. Never coached a day in his life. So just they, becomes the head coach of an NFL team. So RG3 came out with this tweet the other day. It says, lots of tiptoeing around the Jeff Saturday hiring for the Colts. Jeff was a blast to work with at ESPN. But it doesn't change the fact it's a head-scratching slap in the face to every coach on that staff type of decision. Stephen A. Smith will be the coach of the Nets Stephen next. A. Stephen A. Smith Jesus Christ. will be the coach of the Nets next. <laughs> like, um, where does this guy come from? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. The season's lost. They're clearly not going to promote from within. They're just finding a placeholder between now and then. And there are plenty of guys. I don't that, know, man. The, the coach or the, the owner came out acting like he was ecstatic about him. Being yeah, he might be. He might have fell into something like, like he just... You know, he's in the ring of honor. He was one of their most glorified uh, players throughout the years, even though, you know, kind of silently on the line or whatever. Like, uh, I don't think Vrabel did much coaching prior to becoming the head coach of the Titans. I mean, if he if he succeeds, Um, he's just gonna have to change his name to to Jeff Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad joke. That's a bad joke. That's actually a good one. Might be a sad joke. That was a good one. That was Uh, yeah. I I mean, like, Uh, I think Vrabel was maybe a linebacker coach for a season or two. 
before being promoted, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal to not have coaching experience. I think the big deal here is he's coming in mid-season and has like no familiarity with the playbook or how the offense is being it run. It just seems like a slap in the face to every other coach on that but roster. They're clearly not going to hire within. Who cares? Yeah, but you usually have an interim coach. Right? Yeah, but you give somebody a shot cares? within your roster, though. Yeah. Why? He's not planning on hiring within. He's going to clean house at the end of the season. That's clearly what this is demonstrating. Yeah, I guess so. You're bringing I, in a new regime, but you don't have a you don't have a glorified hire mid-season here. That might be true, right? So yeah. Jeff Saturday is either going to be a placeholder, or he's going to be the start of the new regime if he can turn this around in any sort of capacity. The irony is, that if he does turn it around, it'll almost certainly be at the hands of all the other coaches on staff. Yeah, because they're actually familiar with the system. Mm-hmm. It um it actually seems like a a nice tank plan. Well, they're. <laughs> I don't think, like, I don't think they need to put a plan in place to tank. They're they're doing well, a great job of it as is. <laughs> they could have just left Frank right there. Yeah, and, no, and but gotten like, that accomplished. The, the thing is, is that like players usually don't tank, right? Like the players won't tank. They, they just, can't. They'll get hurt. Yeah, like I don't think right. you can show up and play. You know, half speed. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could drop a few passes. Sure, right sure, there, like, like stuff like that. Well, but like they're not going to do that. Like players are competitive and they want to well, win, well, it, no matter how bad they are. They're not going to uh, actively go out there and try to lose. I mean, right? there are certain but, you know, stipulations. Upper management might. There's yeah. like a stipulation yeah. in contracts for player bonuses where they're more so incentivized to play good for that regard, yeah. let alone care about for, the other right. situations that mm-hmm. happen. It's not like who knows how much someone's going to care or not care or try or not try. But from a personal standpoint, there's definitely incentive to perform. Yeah, do that. Yep. I, I don't. I don't. I think it's much to do about nothing. Like yeah. it's a really bad team that may have made a bad hire. Who the only reason why I'm starting to come around is because you said that they're cleaning house at the end of the year, so that makes a lot of sense. So it really doesn't. I matter mean, I'm speculating that. obviously, yeah, no, but course. like, there's no fucking shot that they hire within at yeah. the end of the season. Like right. everybody on that staff is going to be gone unless Saturday vouches for them. <laughs> right. yeah. It's so funny. Not to bring it back to the Steelers, but <laughs> it's 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 like we never go through anything like this, right? It's no. like we've had. Like since the '60s, we've had three coaches. And Tomlin's gonna find a way to fucking go above 500 again this year right. when they go seven and two yeah. down the goddamn stretch. I'm sorry. You heard I'm here first. sorry. No, no, no. I watched the fucking Ravens play the other day. Yeah, they're gonna lose to the Ravens once, and they're gonna they lose did. a trap they game them, once. They, play them twice, they, they do play them twice, but they're gonna fucking pull one off. But this is the exchange, Conrad. They lose they're the goddamn right. trap game to the Colts. <laughs> when did Chuck? And then Noel, they, when did Chuck Noll become? Coach, I, it, it was in the 60s. 68, I think. Something like that. So since, ni- since the 1960s. 68 or 69. Yeah, three coaches. Yeah. Are Isn't you that crazy? Yeah. yeah. Noel, he coached all the way into the 90s. Yep. And then and then it was, was it 90s? Right? Coward took yeah. over, I think, in like 1991. 91 no, 92, 92 they were already like in the AFC Championship. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so it was like, yeah, so till, till the 90s. Yeah, early 90s. And then, and then. And then Cower coached until Tomlin took over, and Tomlin's been there for. And Cower years. retired way too fucking early. Yeah, he was young when he retired. Yeah. Way too early. He had another good ten years in him. Yeah, he could be coaching now for sure. So Cower was there for about a decade, I think. Um, ten. No, no yeah, ten 12, to twelve maybe, years, 10 to 12 maybe years, something like that. Yeah, three Super Bowl appearances. No, two. One, Tom- one, 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 lost one. Yeah. And Tomlin's been there for how long now? Tomlin's been there f- fourteen years. Fourteen years. Yeah. Damn. He's the second most tenured coach of all time. Mm-hmm. Three Super Bowl appearances, two wins and a loss. Two, two, two Super Bowl appearances. Wait. Right? Cardinals and in Packers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because the Why one did, before that was Kyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Kyle went twice. Yeah, he Kyle, won one and one. Yeah, lost to the Tomlin went two. Beat, or uh, one and beat the one and one. Yeah. yeah, so they both won one and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. 
And then Chuck Noll just went four and zero. It's just wild to see something like that in this day and age of of you know you see so many coaches. I think that's why I gravitated to Penn State also because it was just one coach Paterno ever forever. Yeah, yeah. it's literally one coach mm-hmm. the entirety of the the history of the sport. Yeah. How has Mike Tomlin's just overall record as a head coach seasonally yeah. been? Like around seasonally very slightly good. Playoffs, over 500, right? Playoffs very poor. No, way over 500. Like he's very good at being he's, over 500. He's never had a below 500 season. Right. That's what I was going to say. 14 add. years. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, I mean, but that's they, they, they've, they've had years where they missed the playoffs after going like 13 and three the year prior. Right. So they they've had he's had this like You've hot and cold thing. Years, yeah, yeah, where and maybe it's just the parody of the NFL. Yeah, probably. But like uh it, it happened with Cower too. The season after going to the Super Bowl, the the Steelers missed the playoffs consistently. The last mm-hmm. four times, I think. Uh which is mm-hmm. a very strange thing to do. And then there was another time where the Steelers went like fifteen and one and the next season were eight and eight. Yeah. It's just like wow. It, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's, uh, some of it's scheduling, some of it's injuries, some of it's just the straight parody. I mean, 10 and 6, 12 and 4, 9 and 7, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 8 and 8. 11, yeah, 5, so 10. 2011, they. Oh, shit. This guy's fucking. 2000, good. 2011, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, 2012, they go 8 and 8 and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, look, look at the Rams. Eight. Look at the Rams and the Bucks. Yeah. They're like in that same yeah. type of situation. Yeah, but the, the Steelers were a perennial powerhouse if it were not for Brady during the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, uh, they go to the Super Bowl a couple more times, probably maybe win. Uh, win I think a lot more probably. Yeah, um, there, there was a lot of impact for the Patriots, like How many, we taking away the number one mm-hmm. seed a bunch of times yep. in in scenarios where the Steelers, you know, had, were a twelve or thirteen win team. Yeah, uh, I don't think the <laughs> Steelers so were the one shitty. seed. I, I don't think they were the one. I think they were the one seed one time during Tom Brady's era, and, the, and they went fifteen and one. And I'm not even positive they were the one seed that season. Yeah, they we were. can go back to the graphic. The graphic had it. Mm. The Mike Tomlin graphic had the placements there, like first AFC North. First uh, AFC yeah, North. in the North, no, that's not just the, the AFC. North. Yeah, oh, yeah that's just our division. Yeah. Okay, and I think I'm, I, I must be wrong about the 15-1 season. It doesn't look like... 13-3. Like 15-1 season was uh, Cower still. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was, that was, that was Ben's first season. So, yeah, so they went 13-3 and three was the best season, uh, and they did it once. They were a 12-win team four or five times. I don't think they were the one seed ever. Yeah. In the AFC. Because yeah, when they went 13-3, right. I think the Chiefs they were... Got the, that was back then, there, there were two buys, so they would get the buy a lot. They would get the buy a lot, the but they would always buy. have to go through New have England. Have to go to, yeah, right. Yeah. Or Manning. The, the only time, the, only t- time mm. the Steelers went to the Super Bowl was when New England lost prior. Yep. Yeah, yeah, never yeah. beat them to go to the oh, Super really? Bowl. Oh, really? What do you mean? No. Manning would come through Pittsburgh. That's who the Steelers beat to go to the Super Bowl. Was it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, they beat the... Remember... Oh, well, no, they beat him in the... They beat him uh, in the divisional they beat, round. Yeah, they beat him in the divisional and that round. that was in... That was just in, the tougher game. That, w- that was in... Um, that was when Tom... Or that was when Yeah, Coward, the Steelers came out of the sixth yeah. seed that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were on yeah. the road the entire yeah, playoffs. Yeah, they won three, three road playoff games, yeah. yeah. All right. But that was definitely the tougher game. I can't remember who the AFC Championship was that Denver. season. Oh, oh, yeah. It was Denver. I was in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Denver? Yeah. Who was their quarterback? Mm-hmm. John Elway. Wait, what? <laughs> it, was not it, was end, it was the end of the Elway regime. It was not Elway. No fucking way. Uh, 2012. God, who was it? <laughs> um, their quarterback was no one good. Wow. Somebody dusty. Yeah. Sounds like it sounds like Doesn't it. Matter. Doesn't right. matter. We'll get into the shits for today. We're stealing a question from Pads on Twitter. Because, yeah. you know, I love the Bluebird app. And I love stealing questions from there. That's what we're going to do. Where we get all our content from. Yep, you know it. So Pat's put a question on Twitter. It oh. said, 
It was what's, Peyton Manning. Sorry. What's the best poker no, advice? Peyton Manning was still an indie. You've ever played. received that stuck with you forever. So I kind of wanted to go around the table and see what you guys got for me here. Let's start with Young Landy. For poker advice? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was looking at this Peyton Manning thing. It did just say 2012. But. Sorry, we were talking about 2006. Mm. It was their first Super Bowl. Uh, Ben's yeah, first Super Bowl. I was like seven, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tony, man, it was John Elway. Yeah. Poker, <laughs> poker advice that I've personally received. Yeah, what's um, stuck with you? Let me know. From, because I, I look back at how I am here now after, call it, three and a half to four years um, when I left school and when I was 19. And I don't think I went about playing poker as a profession the right way, but I think it was necessary. Where when I left school and my mom gave me six months to figure out poker, I did nothing else but play and send hands to my friend Steven, who was coaching me at the time. And from there, I didn't have any other life. I didn't go outside. I didn't have friends around me because they're all in college. I didn't go to the gym or exercise because I cared about poker. I didn't have that well of the overall standard of living because I didn't eat very much or eat well at all. So I spent a lot of time just focusing on poker itself. And I wouldn't recommend for anyone to do it. At the same time, I think it was a necessary part of my development in my career because I spent so much time learning, so much time devoted to the game where there was nothing else that was on my mind and I didn't have any other uh, sources of validation for myself, really. Um, Advice-wise, coming out of that, um, realizing that poker isn't the be-all, end-all of my existence was a pretty big piece of advice that I ended up getting from a bunch of different sources throughout the years and sort of recently actually internalized that. Because I remember when I was in detox and we went on a retreat to Atlanta, Nick asked me if I thought that my life would change if I got to 2K now back when I was playing 2-5 online. And I was like, yeah, of course it would. I'd be, I want to be great. I want to be the best poker player in the world. I want to focus on getting the high stakes and that's the highest stakes that I could have played at the time. And I thought once I hit that milestone that my life was going to be different, my life was going to be great, and I'd have everything I wanted. But then when you get there, you realize that that's just part of a goal, less so the overarching journey, where it didn't just end at playing 2K. It didn't just end at playing 1020, where it comes to now, I'm in this place of playing <coughs> tournaments, trying to be someone in like, from an industry standpoint, this, that, and whatever. So from an advice standpoint, I would say to find other sources of validation and things that you enjoy and care about that isn't just poker, but allow poker to be your driving force when you actually do decide to play. Yeah. You jumped the gun. You started giving your own advice. That was later, man. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Yeah. <laughs> just it's a, yeah. That, was, that was very serious. <laughs> Guapa. I care about it. What you got for us, baby? Uh, for me, it wasn't necessarily just one like piece of advice. It was a book I read. Um, it was called "Treat Your Poker Like a Business" by Leatherass. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Poker was great. I used to write. Schmidt, Dusty Schmidt. R.I.P. Um, and it was just about being like really regimented and putting in the hours and bankroll management. 
Um, I probably went a little extreme on the bankroll management thing, but <laughs> <laughs> you good. gotta have the, you gotta have a hundred buy-ins, man. You just gotta. You for, know. for those of you that you don't know, Guapo doesn't move up in stakes unless he has a thousand buy-ins. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to go broke that way, right? Respect right, to Bob? that man. It's, it's hard true, to go broke true. that way. Do you have any yeah, extra copies of this book laying around? I do. I need. I, need I have a digital it. copy somewhere. All right, sweet, sweet. What you got for us, Burke? Oh man, should I, I go first before Burke? Does? All right, shoot. What you got, man? <laughs> no, I just no. It's gonna, you know. Yeah. No. Go. I. I <laughs> uh, no. I. I. I mean. It's kind of like Guapo. Like it, I feel like there's nothing that one thing that stood out. It's 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 a multitude of things. It's like. Um, treating the poker as a business one. You actually recommended that book to me, the same book, which is, it was a, a How ironic. Book. Yeah, right? <laughs> now we're here, here we are, running a business. Yeah. Um, I, th I think for you, I was trying to get you to read it so that you started taking risk. <laughs> Maybe. Took it's a so risk. strange that it had the opposite effect on me. Yeah. That's uh, kind of funny. The tortoise moves at his own um, pace. Yeah, but like, I think like the, the balance thing, like that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big one, right? It's like, don't just be like completely focused on poker for everything. You want to have a life balance, right? So that, that kind of keeps you from getting burned out. Um, I do like, it's kind of funny, but like, it's kind of like game selecting or whatever, but they say like, you don't have to be the best poker player in the world. You just have to be the best poker player at the table. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone and, sucks. Right. Well, that, that, I mean, the thing is, is that like, if you're always playing with people that are worse than you, you'll probably do pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean that and, and like having I think having like um supplemental income is kind of pretty important. Like as far as like I enjoy poker now and I feel like I do better at it when I know that that's not my only source of income, that it's that there's other ways to like it, like it's not the end all be all. It helps you make better decisions um at the table and and not have to like worry about like oh, if I make this call, I can't you know, pay my cell phone bill next, that kind of thing. Very true, very true. What do you got for us, Burke? What's going on? I feel very slighted in this conversation. None of these uh, motherfuckers mentioned you, is that why? No, 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 not, <laughs> not that regard. No, uh, I don't recall getting any fucking advice along the way. Uh, maybe a heads up to not lend a certain person money here and there. <laughs> Uh, I think of the unsolicited advice I've gotten, it's all been awful. Uh, I'm sure you'll remember this, uh, maybe not, but it's etched into my mind. Do you remember the remember the uh, larger unkempt man who used to? He wore like glasses. He looked a little bit like Freddie, but not exactly. Played it silver, at Silver Creek with us back in the one one days. I don't, I don't know if you remember this. I'll never forget this interaction. I, I could, honestly, I don't even know what this guy looks like. I'm describing him, but like, he, he's a blur in my head. Mm -hmm. Don't remember his name. Don't remember anything about him. I just remember he won and he was a sick nit. And you and I were sitting with him in between us. And I remember him like looking at us after a hand or something along those lines. and was just like, if you fold, you can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> it stuck with the man. Like, I, honestly, I, 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 I vaguely do remember. Like he that. was effectively, basically telling us to not fall victim to sunken cost fallacy. Mm -hmm. But he was a sick nit. So what he was really trying to say, like what was actually being projected, and what I think he actually meant, was just have patience, boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'll get aces. Yeah. And it, like <laughs> I hated this guy so bad. I hated that advice. 
I, I hated you know, everything about... You know, that stuck with me my entire life. Right. <laughs> it, uh, you guys both took it differently, where Brian started folding and you never folded. Lamana subconsciously has thrown that advice into my face, like, a thousand times. Like, I'm like, I'm on a downswing. He's like, you play too many hands. It's like, fuck you. You, you did play too many hands. You probably still do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, the, the real takeaway there is that folding is zero EV. Uh, but that clearly wasn't what this this man was intending. Yeah, no. I, I mean, like, I didn't I didn't grow up in this game with mentors or mm -hmm. people to look to. For we kind of to figure it out ourselves, like in that era, right? Yeah, and I I think we had our friend base to right. I think off of, I think even they were just learning too. Well, I think I specifically am am more difficult with this than than maybe you or others in the sense that uh, I'm a do your own research kind of person. Mm -hmm. Right, like I'm, I'm a trial by fire. I like to figure out problems, and I really like to, like my method of my best method of learning is taking uh, an unvarnished idea, something that's like very young and and like there isn't a clear answer to it, mm -hmm. and just picking a side, and just <laughs> fucking going off on why that side is correct. No, like having a strong opposition to it, right? Yeah. So like Brent and I, if, if for example, like I knew that he had a certain opinion of, of something, I might just like take the other side and be incredibly opinionated on it just to have that, that <laughs> battle, yeah. right? Because like, even though, even though it might be abrasive in the moment, it was, it was kind of the best way to, to, to get to the root of things and to like get ideas fleshed out without actually having to go and lose money at the table. <laughs> what you're saying is you chose violence on purpose. That's why Lamanna was laughing. Well, yeah, because like, <laughs> it, it wasn't like now you didn't have a guide. Like, even if we don't look at solvers as answers, they're at least a guide yeah. where we can have a starting point, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But back then it was just like, you know, Brent might be winning a bunch and I might be losing a bunch. And we may be approaching the same problem differently. And if I want to know like how much of his winning is due to skill and how much of my losing is due to lack of discipline or, or uh, a mistake or whatever, then we have to get to the crux of uh, what, is, what is different between <laughs> us, right? And it's just like, Your you attitude. Know, <laughs> right, right. Fucking but it's like maybe he's doing like a lot of bluff catching and it's working out in his favor and maybe i'm doing a lot of bluffing and it's not working out in my favor yeah. so what needs to be discussed now is bluff frequencies right mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is to uh, back then especially like 2006 2007 whatever is to take a spot on the river where it's just like you know it's clear nuts or air yeah and we just then him take the side of they're never bluffing and me take, or, or sorry, him take the side of they're bluffing too much and me take the side of they're never bluffing and we just fight. <laughs> very, productive. The real, very, very productive. The real interesting truth of the matter of that is it's probably always somewhere in the middle. Right. But in order to get to that point, you have to take the you can't. Extremes. You can't get to the middle. So the, the solver serves as a mediator now it allows you to see a middle ground and it allows mm -hmm. you to arrive at one and but a coping you, mechanism right <laughs> but back then you had to operate in the black and the white and the extremes because uh there wasn't a there, there was no middle ground really formulated we're yeah. trying to formulate it through this discussion there right? was no indifference in the sense of you Landon, can call can as, a, as a, you don't understand this is what it was like before the internet <laughs> right? It's the same thing, right? Well, you should just argue about things, and then there was no conclusion because we couldn't just go look it up, 
right? So, and it's the same thing now. Like now it's like, okay, well, I think this is right. And I think this is right. And you plug it into the software and the software kind of tells you, you know, where, where, where it lies. But like that, yeah. you, know, you know, what scares me about the, this? What? Noah Berkey, these arguments had to go on for weeks. Weeks. He's been doing, <laughs> no, he's been doing this his whole life though. Like he used to, I remember he used to take like poor John. He's like, John would just make an argument yeah. and you would just literally take the other <laughs> he was side. He so bad at arguing. See if you could like, see if you could get him on your side knowing that you were yeah. wrong. He was so bad at arguing. I would, I would purposefully take the stance of, I would gaslight the fuck out of him. <laughs> He was friend. just so bad. You're like, a bad friend. It, well, because it was like something that might be like somewhat debatable, right? Uh, like, uh, like you used this man as a punching bag. No, 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 no. I used bad, him. But... I used him as a sparring partner. He made me stronger. <laughs> it sounds like you just won every argument you guys had, but you knew you're going to win them all. Yeah. Okay. Even yeah, if he but, was wrong. <laughs> yeah, but imagine what that did for me moving forward. From as, an ego standpoint. No, 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 no. Just. Uh, from from because in order to win an argument from the losing side you have to be pretty strong at debate okay so i see you might or gaslighting you might even agree with him in some cases but you know i agree with him in a lot of cases or like what what would actually happen would be and granted i'm painting myself in a very negative light but i was very young you know we're talking about teenagers uh what would happen is we would start uh, a very honest argument where both of us are like liked our side yeah and then he might say something that proved a point that i would recognize immediately was correct and that was just all about skirting around that point to get back on track of like how my side could theoretically be correct right <laughs> so you were actually arguing in bad faith yes it was yes, the goal I did that a lot. right that's why i understand bad faith arguments so much now <laughs> is because i did Man. so much of it as a kid i remember when we when we would have our arguments at the house the amount of goalposts moving that i would do that you would just get you would get so fed up i saw a younger me and you <laughs> a lot a lot and it made a lot of sense like you're coming from a very competitive dynamic with triplets and you know i'm sure <laughs> I'm sure. Fuck, I was bad at arguing. Yeah. And like, yeah, and like, it was easy for me to recognize because it's like, yeah, this was me at 17. Like, it's because you don't want to lose, but the issue is there's not a winner or a loser. There's just objective truth. Well, it's, it's just that mentality that you're speaking to is very sophomoric, right? It's, it's, it's a young mentality. And I don't even like mean a young adult. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you shedding the skin of your teenage years. Yeah. Right? And... We're so insecure and vulnerable at that age that we find these things to prop ourselves up. And oftentimes it's going to be uh, our physical prowess, our mental prowess, uh, you know, our knowledge, whatever the case may be. And like to Brian's point, pre-internet, that was a big way that like I curated value for myself was knowing a lot of things or or knowing a little bit of stuff about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that little bit of stuff would be slightly incorrect one way or another. Like if you're speaking to an expert on that subject, they would just immediately shut it down. Yeah. But because we didn't have the internet, I could paint myself as knowing a lot more than I did right. based off just knowing a little bit. And then if that didn't work out, someone would hit you with, okay, then fucking fight me. Is how the argument goes. <laughs> That would happen. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So now you act not actually have the argument where you're both on both sides and when you're kids, you're, you're kids. But yeah, it's like as you mature into an adult and you realize that information is so much more paramount than uh than being correct or or sorry than being right right, because there's a difference between right and correct right yeah uh like information becomes so much more paramount and so much more powerful to you as the individual than being on the right side of the argument that i think like 
you, or at least speaking from my own personal experience, like you become heavily invested now in proper proper tactics of good faith debate, mm -hmm. right? Like you, or like for me, I, I got very, uh, very much engulfed by logical fallacies and being a computer scientist also helped with this because yeah. when you're building algorithms with if then statements right the last thing you want to do is fall into uh like uh fallacy type thinking where you start putting if and statements to just uh you know take you into a, a no man's land so mm -hmm. it's very critical that you begin to understand how logic tables are created and what can skew that like what emotional uh projections can can take you out of the the logical framework yeah I would do this to you and not just you, but Nick, Chewy, Nate, you name it. Like every time there'd be a hand discussion, every time there'd be something along those lines. I would take the stance of being so grounded in my solver knowledge to think that that was the answer in some cases. Well, it's sharp. Uh, it's, it, in it's, bad faith. Not, I don't think it was in bad faith, not intentionally. I think that your arguments were curated in bad faith because the intention was to win yeah i wanted to win right but uh the reason why i say it's sharp is because it, it's sharp and it's not sharp right there, there's there's two things occurring here uh so one you are in a in a situation where you've curated a peer group that on average is 10 years your senior yeah and has 20 years experience greater than you yeah uh but on the other hand, you're trying to be seen as a peer rather than a prodigy or yeah. rather than uh, a student, right? Yeah. You, you want to be on their level. Yeah. And you feel like you've mitigated that process through technology. Yeah. So you want to, you want to lead with that and you want to expose how intelligent you are, right? But from, from those who have been in it that also have the same exposure, all we see is somebody Googling an answer and reading it to us, yeah. right? So where this all falls apart is that that leading with ego and attempting to uh, feel valuable to a group of of mentors, let's call it, because like at that time anyway, I, I don't think you were you were at a peer level yeah. with, with that group. Uh, so the the problem with trying to be their equal rather than trying to be uh, their student is that you lose the greater lesson. Yeah. Right. And what ends up happening is either you're able to gaslight them into bending and now everybody loses because, you know, speaking from my own perspective, like it's not that hard to feel Dunning-Kruger or sorry, not, not Dunning-Kruger, uh, to, to feel, um, uh, oh God, I've, I've lost it. Uh, but basically when you feel like you're inept in spite of being uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome. It's not that hard to get steered into imposter syndrome right. as you're on the back end of a long career because of how fast the landscape is moving. So yeah. it's very easy for that doubt to creep in and just be like, oh man, this kid's young and on the scene and like paying. Maybe he, maybe he's on to, like, I'm a fraud. Nah, you know I mean? it's just the privilege of the solver era, which we know mm -hmm. now, right? Having the ability to have a tool that can advance you so far in such a short amount of time if you give it the attention that uh in some cases i feel like it deserves mm -hmm. where there's a reason why you're seeing the age of people playing and winning high rollers like decreasing yeah. there's a lot of really sharp young talented online kids that are in their young to mid 20s that are just going to be 
amazing on, from an online perspective or especially even like the live there's a, there's a lot of reasons that's happening uh so one it's a big time cost to get good the way that they get good uh two it's a big uh time cost to attempt to put in all the live volume for very mediocre edges yeah so what ends up happening is that the old guard who doesn't want to sink the time in to catch up has all the money yeah and the young guard who's willing to exchange time for money is now basically doing a handshake deal of like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll get really good and I'll go execute and you fund it. Right. Yeah. And we're all just kind of like, this is great for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't take that as responsibly or appropriately as I should have when that was on the table a couple years ago. And you and I have had these conversations many times, but it's finally internalized now as to seeing the path to actually taking the steps that prove that to be true. Yeah. When it comes to putting in time, volume, playing something and following a path to not necessarily completion, but with the intent and purpose of scaling it to playing X amount of MTTs to playing higher stakes live or this, that, whatever you name it. Whereas the advice that you and I have talked about for a long time sort of now has hit me of being more purposeful with the actions that I do take. Yeah. Which is worth a lot because finding that out at 23 versus 33, massive. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's just like speaking to what I was saying earlier. Like, I don't know if I'm jealous or uh, I feel bad for you guys that you're in situations where you're kind of forced into... Growing up? No, 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 no. no. You're kind of forced into uh, mentorships mm. uh, or mentorships, I guess. Is that even a word? Uh, anyway, you, you, no. you're, don't, don't look at me and ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you're kind of key ships. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of forced into being the student. Uh, whereas like for us, it was all self-discovery. And, you know, part of me is just like, wow, how nice would it have fucking been for somebody? To, and, and like even being in the position now to give advice, it feels off. Right. Because like so much of the most valuable aspects of growing up in the game, as well as just like growing up in life is just sink or swim, man. Like those sink or swim moments were so, so career defining and character defining for me that it's like, I don't know that I could be successful now if I would have just been kind of given a Daniel Negreanu to uh, pal, around, pal around with and travel the world with for a decade. Well, you didn't swim every time you had a sink or swim situation, That's right? kind of the point. Uh, well, what but, happened? What did you do when you sank? I failed. Well, what did that mean? You, you get back on your feet and you figure it out. And you just like fell forward as much as you possibly can, right? So there were so many important failures that I had. Like so many more important failures compared to successes. Yeah. Go on. Uh, I, I think that like... No, don't get me wrong. It depends on how we're measuring success, right? Because I don't have the wealth that I could have if a lot of early shot takes or risks that I undertook would have been successful, Yeah. right? And I don't have the wealth that I could have had if I were more conservative in a bunch of spots or willing to, uh, you know, toe the gray line a little bit more in a bunch of other spots. Like basically, there's a million reasons to not accumulate wealth and there are a select few that you can point to that say like, had this gone one way or the other, or had my mentality been different in these particular avenues, uh, you would be significantly more wealthy. But um, from a character standpoint, which it would be the way that I would default to defining uh, success, so many failures along the way that 
uh, were driven by money, that uh, there was an easy way out. But I, you know, for, for better or for worse, uh, chose not to take it, right? Like, I, I, like the, I like life in hard mode for whatever reason. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, there were a lot of situations along the way where um, basically an opportunity would be presented where it's like uh, I could play four or five stake levels above what I'm currently playing, right? But it comes at being at the beck and call of... A, a peer or a friend or somebody who is months ago my equal but because i've now gone broke uh i'm subordinate to right they have this advantage position yeah it was, it was basically a, a a very unhealthy power imbalance mm. right that didn't belong it wasn't in most of the it, I, I can think of two very specific examples i don't i don't want to call anything out because like big picture they were they were important people to my life but they weren't better than me in poker. They weren't, uh, they weren't more knowledgeable than me in most aspects of the game or outside of. Uh, in some instances, they weren't even older than me, so it wasn't like they had more life experience or shared experience or anything like that. They were literally just in a situation where they had too much liquidity and were lazy fucks that wanted a lackey, for, back, for lack of a better term. Right, so when things would go wrong, they'd say, I have money, you don't. Correct. And you didn't want to have that relationship. I would rather be broke. Right. I would just say thanks, but no thanks. And I would continue to just like, you know, try to grind up or spin up a few hundred bucks here and there. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it slowed down my trajectory for sure. But I learned so much. I was just forced to learn so much. And, and again, remember, like we didn't have anything to default to as far as getting answers go, right? It was literally just like try, fail, think for right. long periods of time. The amount of swirling doubt is so much greater then than it is now from the standpoint of, was I supposed to check raise? Was I supposed to bluff catch? Was I supposed to jam? Where now when you like have the machine to give you the answers and the theoretical kind heuristics, of. you can be like, okay, in theory, these hands do this. How does it actually look in practice? What does his range look like when it actually gets to river? What does my range look like if I have a range bet versus bets and checks, right? You can look and experiment with all of these hypotheses that you couldn't do without it. I think the problem is, is that you can't zoom out far enough. Like, yes, all of that's true. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't what it was whenever we were doing it because we were just in the... Uh, yeah, we were just in the hypothesis phase and there was no real testing, right? Yeah. The only real testing was trial you, and error. your own lived experience. Um, so yeah, there was a ton of swirling doubt, but we all just accepted that as default. Nobody had answers, right? We all operated off the same playing field of like nobody has any answers. So there were plenty periods of time where this work that was being put in, whether it was through personal development or whether it was through... Uh, noticing certain observations of the game. Like, I, I still remember the first time, like, board textures clicked to me, where uh, I, would, I would take a texture and I would break it down into these attributes, right? So I would take, I would group it in thirds. I would take the top two cards and then the bottom two cards, and I would group those separately. And then I would take the tone of the board, whether it be rainbow, two-tone, monotone, and I would group that in the third bucket. And I would mentally compartmentalize logical hands that would fit around the top two cards, fit around the bottom two cards, and then fit around the suit, right? And that was how I started to think in terms of hand classes. This is, 
a decade before that that term was ever even introduced right this is you know 2010 mm -hmm. this this concept's coming to me so uh you would develop these lines of thinking and then just be all in on them and from that would you would derive confidence right because now you're executing a strategy of sorts and whether it's right or wrong doesn't matter because no one else is even trying well that was right. your gradient of skill as to how if you say oh i'm better than someone at poker Correct. you would say i have this skill proven by x amount of man hours also proven by win loss rate so now it's kind of like the blind leading the blind where you don't actually have metrics, but you use what you think is the best yeah. and then go from there. Yeah, you generalize. Okay. So what do you got, Connie? I actually couldn't even think of something. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll like, put that on you guys. I was like, I don't know. Let me ask these guys. Um, actually, reading some responses from this question on Twitter, Deeb said, if you don't get it in bed, you aren't getting in enough. And then another response came from Dan Smith. It says, you just have to play every hand the way it needs to be played. Sometimes it's theoretical and sometimes it's not. What do you think about that, Landon? I think he's right. Absolutely right. 100%. Uh, I've definitely went through the like, uh, solver phase of thinking that, not that bluffs need to be not existent, not existent, but... The reason theory is a nice guide is to be able to call upon it when needed and also use it as a guideline to see if the opponent or person that you're playing against has an understanding of the overall view from a strictly theoretical lens. Let's say you look at a spot where you know that out of position has a range check and you know that in theory, but in practice you face a B75, like a big bet. Now you can deduce to yourself, okay, his ranges are going to be a lot different than what theory would be here. How do I practically make my adjustments and how do I gain EV? Because the reason why out of position has a range check or a range bet is based off of the EV of taking the action itself. Yeah. So once you know that an action is taken and someone's selectively choosing against it, in theory, there is EV to be gained. And now yeah. the question is, how do you gain it? And being able to use your knowledge as a thinker, as well as someone that has the theoretical background, you can then try to take advantage of that as much as you can. At the same time, you're going to make judgments and guidelines that might be false, but that's part of poker as a whole. And that's what's going to make poker, quote unquote, never perfectly solved. Yep. Because when you're playing a live MTT, depending on the buy-in, if you're playing a super high roller bowl, where there's less dead money and people are, have less EV to give away, or a smaller stakes MTT like a 160 daily, there's more reasons to deviate and capture more EV if you can. So knowing the baseline and knowing, not, knowing how not to give EV to theoretically solved players is the name of the game in higher stakes because people are trying to play as close to baseline as possible to not give the other theoretically sound player any advantage. But when there's people that are making massive mistakes, you can then deviate to capture upon them because theory wouldn't be the best way to do it if you start adding some other I, I just think that, like, I, I think the tweet Dan put out makes the most amount of sense in the sense... Uh, it actually parallels to uh, a tweet that Bono put out, which was yeah, explore, explore Your Curiosity. Um, I think those go hand in hand because 
even in the realm that Landon's speaking to, where you're playing against great competition who's trying to play as close to baseline as possible, understand that we only have like a broad vision of what that is, mm -hmm. and we can only operate off of certain metrics, right? So you can really monkey wrench the system through a lot of creativity. And I think like Adamo is a good example of this. 100%. Like if you just start 3x potting turn, um, whether, whether you're playing against elite competition or not, mistakes are going to occur in the response. Because right? they're just not used to it. Right, they just aren't that Calculated, studied into yeah. what 3x pots. And what happens is the threshold, the equity threshold raises for hands that need to continue. Mm -hmm. But because of pot odds, it never raises so great you just get to fold like pretty much everything right okay. and what that means is that a lot of non-intuitive things start to occur you don't just start with the hierarchy of like okay well i'll continue with all of my nutted hands yeah. and then i'll have to have a sprinkle of this this it, it doesn't really work that way like all we know is that the nutted hands will continue and we're not even certain how like are we playing raises are we just pure calling here like what's the simplified strategy so we're trying to make these simplifications in real time having never actually even looked at the baseline mm -hmm. right we're just we're we're basically extrapolating off of what we what we would do if we were facing one pot instead of three pots with uh you know a yeah. full pot size bet behind or whatever the case may be and what you'll find is that on the fringes a lot of evs being exchanged and the same could be occurring from the person betting three pots right he could be exchanging a ton of ev if he's misapplying here of course but because he's the aggressor, aggressor. Mm -hmm. there's a there's a strong likelihood that whatever EV he's giving up is being immediately returned to him through overfolds or uh, incorrect continues. Makes sense. Makes sense. So basically, Adam, Adamo is a fucking genius blowing up these solvers. I don't know how much he is like actively pursuing specific actions, mm -hmm. but uh, it becomes abundantly clear over that like year where he just sun ran. Uh, and Sunran is maybe a little bit reductive because obviously he played fucking lights, lights out, out poker. Yeah. Uh, but it, it became abundantly clear he was just doing certain things, mm -hmm. right? And the issue is that like it's only a secret for so long. Yeah, you know, three hundred percenting is a more explored line than it's ever been, uh, and it'll continue to go that way, yep, right? Absolutely. We're gonna start seeing like some ten x pot jams on flop here and there because. It's viable, yep. you know, even if it's only 1% of your range. Or even if it's viable or, or not from whatever the solve says, if you're in a spot where you assume your opponent is inelastic and has a hand that's going to call no matter what you do, why not just 10x pot jam? Yeah, right? the I, I, showed this, confidence. I showed this in one of my early courses for Solve for Why. This is maybe four years old now, called the Exploitative Matrix, I believe. Yep. Uh, we were looking at the Queen-10-8 board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was viewing it through the lens of being the opener, being out of position. And uh, when we were looking at, or maybe I was, I, I don't recall what it was. But anyway, when we were looking at the big bet strategy, uh, there, was, there was certain action that could be taken by the original Razor where ace-queen in the defender's hand, or maybe vice versa, certain action could be taken by the defender. Like if you check ace-queen and face a certain size. Like ace queen was supposed to start pure folding. Yeah. And it just never happens. Like that hand is just never folding. And like jack 10 would be like a pure continue in the same node, right? But that hand is folding. 
So like that's what I'm saying when I'm, when we're talking about like this non-intuitive stuff, right? Like, sure, you're probably never supposed to like five x pot jam on queen ten eight uh, yeah. in a in a single raise pot or whatever. But if you know that like hands on the threshold that are supposed to maybe shift into a pure fold or like fold the vast majority of the time, and then hands that are supposed to call the vast majority of the time or maybe always do the inverse of that of each other, you, you suddenly are stumbling upon a viable exploit right and that's where all the money is made when it comes to playing poker as a whole because if everybody was playing perfect machine poker nobody wins over a long enough sample for sure so if you're playing and using the um pure solve where you're saying okay i know that i can't do this action because it loses ev but in practice you know that it actually gains ev based off of the way that x person plays then you start winning but the not issue but the confidence is necessary to make these decisions and deviations because now you're swinging hard like if you start folding a hand that's supposed to pure bluff catch and you say this guy never has a bluff and then you fold and then they show you a bluff now you just get absolutely wrecked mm. and that's why pot outs are important also when it comes to making decisions because now you can have a metric as to how important your decision is in that moment because if there's a thousand big blinds in the pot and somebody bets one big blind, it doesn't matter your confidence on bluff, not bluff when you're getting such sick odds. Conversely, when there's five big blinds in the pot and someone jams for 5,000, now you have to be a lot more correct in your decisions and analysis based off of the percentage of the pot that you're being laid. For sure, for sure. So um, I want to ask you guys in one sentence, a nice <laughs> quick, you know, nice, beautiful, quick sentence. What advice you would give to somebody early in their career coming up? But before that, our boy Jason Burst got some advice for you. Spoke with Landon for a bit yesterday during the break at Venetian. Very fine young man. Delightful conversation. Busted two hands after the talk. His advice? Don't talk to Landon. <laughs> I also busted one hand after we had that talk. So I guess I shouldn't talk to you either. Yeah. So going around the room, just go, give a nice little one sentence advice to somebody up and coming in the game. Lamana, start us off, baby. Uh, I would just uh, go to software.io and sign up to software.tv for he's the getting all access pass. He's getting so good at this. <laughs> going around. What you got for us, Burke? Quit. <laughs> Get a fucking job. <laughs> this can't be a thing. Get a fucking job. That's the best advice he's ever you fucking. Have job, you have supplemental income to uh, play poker, and then you can get better. By That's right. That uh, that I'll agree with. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Buckala, man, he gave the best advice all the time. Get a, get a fucking job. Joe, this guy I lives have a job. A, get a far fucking. Job. Get another fucking job. This guy lives in a fucking tree. Wish you guys could have met this guy. He, he, used to, he was imagine imagine this. Imagine back in the day, they called Lamana Flopomatic. Because he see bet every board, <laughs> and, and they were so bad at poker, they legitimately believed that like he made a pair. Just like always hit the board. Yeah, this fucking kitty just flop always fucking flop. Brian flopomatic over there always fucking has it. Uh, <sighs> no, I, I mean, in all seriousness, uh, I, I don't think I don't think advice is worth a pint of piss. Uh, and, and I'm saying that in the sense of your advice is don't take advice. Yeah, because like anybody who is giving you solicited or unsolicited advice uh, is probably doing it 
in a tips or tricks kind of way. And that's just not the game, man. Like, poker advice and life advice are going to be very synonymous, and you should be very, very, very critical of who you take advice from for either realm. So you're basically saying do your own work. Um, in, in a sense, kind of like, yeah, dig but, uh, deeper. Advice sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Grappa. I shouldn't have to say bankroll management. Make sure your life roll is correct and your bankroll playing. I'd venture to say that people who are playing full time for a living, maybe 20% of people have their shit together. Earthquake! Sorry. I forgot I have a 215 meeting. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Fucking okay, before, so before I guess we're going to wrap uh, this up. Yeah. My advice. Uh, would be to just find an environment, have people to just talk some strategy with, find people you trust, and then worst comes to worst, if poker doesn't work, you have friends. So there you go. All right. Everybody all right. has friends. Everyone no, has don't. friends. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Landon. All no, right. Well, on that note, well, Scott fucked your shot. Good. <laughs> Robin. She fucked your shot. Oh, yeah, we Scout. are. Right. You're still in the frame. How you doing that to me, baby? Anyway, um. Go on over to WPT Global. Give them a download. They're giving away seats. It's it's honestly Christmas. They're sending over 150 people. Scout is very excited about WPT Global. Scout is not happy. They're sending over 150 people to the WPT Championship with 12K packages. You got to get in there to win it. What can I say? Scout's download global. Download WPT Global now. Um. Do you guys have anything to end this episode off on? That's it. That's it? <laughs> Scout said fuck this shit? <laughs> That's it. All right, Scout's done with our bullshit. On that note, like, subscribe, send us some love in the comments. I guess we need a Scout emote. We do need a Scout emote yep. for when she does this shit. Perfect. <laughs> All right, on that note, we're out. Peace. Later. <laughs>